0: You are listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times, and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. Hope. It's this interesting idea that's kind of like a theory, like how do you know you have hope, what is hope, and Uh, What what does that look like? And so this morning we're going to think about that idea of what is hope and how do you know it and how can you know that you have it and um, what is the difference between hope and optimism. How many of you remember the book, The Little Engine That Could? Y'all remember that? And so it's actually been voted one of the top 100 books for little kids because they, they learn how to read and, you know, the repeated parts of that. And then also they learn a great life lesson of that if you put your mind to something, that if you kind of have this thing called grit, you can push through and accomplish some things. You put a goal ahead of you, you can move forward. And that is optimism. And we're not going to talk about optimism this morning. We're going to talk about hope and what it means to have hope, a confident hope in who Christ is. And, and in um, April 8, 1906, there was a sermon that was published in the New York Tribune written by Charles Wing. And he's actually the one that we... As far as we can tell, the one that created that story of the little engine that could. The title of his sermon was The Little Engine That Could. It makes sense, right? And so that was his thing. And he was talking about hope and all this different thing. And so I want it since maybe it's been a little bit. Let's watch the video together. Now she ran steadily up the track. I think I can. I think I can. If y'all know it, y'all can repeat after it. I think I can. 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 At last she reached the top of the mountain. And then she popped out joyously i could oh man it's one of those books that you as a parent maybe you read to your kid and they loved it and you're like after the thousandth time you're like let's find a new book you know and uh because i think i can i think i can i think i can is a wonderful illustration of optimism but it's not a great illustration of what true hope is optimism sees some circumstances Sees an opportunity and actually calculates the risk. And if they think that you can make it, you calculate that risk, then you'll go for it. You determine you can do it and you'll go for it. It's basically the optimism is taking calculated risk. And we want our kids to do that. We want them to see something out there that looks like it's an impossible thing. Calculate what is it going to take to get there? What are the goals going to be and to, to achieve that? But Advent... The coming of Christ is not about God taking a calculated risk. It's not about God being optimistic with us. It's God showing us what hope is. So what is hope? There's several different things of what hope is. One is there's this wishful hope uh, where you might say, I hope that. And um, that means that you have little to no influence on What's the outcome is going to be. And so a biblical illustration of that would be the, the uh, Hebrews in the land of Egypt. They cried out. They hoped that God would, would remove them from that. But they had little to no influence. They didn't have any power to make a decision and to move that forward. So that is... Um, wishful hopeful thinking and so some of you you've got christmas lists and you've got some wishful hopeful thinking going on there there also there's this aspirational hope i hope too that you believe that you can make a difference and so that maybe a good illustration of that is david and goliath that david showed up and he had some aspirational hope everyone else looked at the situation and said it is an unattainable goal for us to take out Goliath. And David had something with inside of him that he saw the circumstances and he hoped he took a calculated risk um, to be able to achieve what he did. And there is also this hope called an overarching hope. And it's not tied exclusively to an event or to an outcome. And, and we see this a lot in what some of you have done and what we've done as a family is when you adopt a child. You sponsor a child in another country. And they move from survival mode to thriving mode. And the reason that they move from surviving mode to thriving mode, the researchers tell us, is because their circumstances have changed. That $30 a month or whatever it is that you're giving on a monthly basis, they know that every day that they're going to have something to eat, that they're going to be able to go to school, they're going to have some clothing. Some of the basic needs are going to be met. And so they move from surviving to thriving. And now they actually have hope. That they didn't once have before because of the little bit of money that we give to them. And it changes their circumstances. So this is an overarching type of hope. And again, even researchers tell us that hope changes even whenever we get ill, whenever we get sick, if we go to the doctor. That there's research, much research that shows that hope and faith plays a part in healing and and of restoration of the body and of the soul because of that hope. And there's even more research now that even shows us that hope shows us that we have people that have hope and that live with hopeful mindsets are happier, they're healthier, they make better grades, so we need to make sure our kids are there, live longer and all more productive, all these kind of things because there's this sense of hope, this overarching hope that circumstances may be going, but you can move from survival mode to thriving mode. But still, even with all these ideas of hope, none of that is actually fully biblical hope. So here's some words that I want to give you. The first word, there's two words in the Old Testament. The first word is Yakal, okay? So think of yak, hal, all right? So yak, what it means is to wait for. So you see this whenever Noah, after the flood, Noah had to wait for the waters to recede. So he knew that there was going to be a time. God had given him a promise, and he saw the flood, and he also knew the waters would recede. But God told him to Yakal. you need to wait for, expectantly wait For the waters to recede, so that's one word for waiting, that you know that there's an end, but you have to wait for it to get there. The other word is kavah, and again, kavah means to earnestly wait for, to wait for under some tension, and that's because the the main word in there is kav, which is cord, and if you ever pulled a cord, you pull it to this point of tension and stress, and you know that something's going to happen because. If you've played tug-of-war, what happens? Something's going to happen. Whenever there's tug-of-war going on, someone's going to get pulled one way or another, or somebody's going to let go and they're going to fall. And that's the idea, is that we have this kavav, is that there's this tension in life that we live with. There's this expectant hope that God's going to pull us forward in anticipation of what the future may hold. And so God has this expectant hope for us. And in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17, we hear it this way. I will wait I will expectantly wait because I know that God has made a promise that's going to be fulfilled. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in, and this idea of hope and trust is, again, because I know that his past character, the things that he's done in the past he's fulfilled, I can place my trust and my hope in him. And in Psalm chapter 130, verses 5 through 8 I am counting on the Lord. This is that word kavah, the tension. I'm waiting expectantly on the Lord. I'm counting on him. Yes, I can count on him. I will put my hope in his word. And his word is indistinguishable. The scripture is indistinguishable from God because he has spoken it and made it. And his character can be found in it. I long for the Lord more than the centuries long for dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. It's this idea that someone who's working the whole night, they're waiting for dawn. They're waiting for that shift to overcome. And for us, that there's sometimes that there's long nights that we're waiting. But we know that dawn is coming. And we can wait through the night. We can do the hard work through the night because we know that dawn is coming. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. call, wait in the Lord For the Lord, is there is unfailing love. His redemption overflowed. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. He's time and time again. His character is shown. Therefore, we can show hope. We even see in the prophet Isaiah that he depicts... Hope and waiting is this, is that this farmer lays down seed and he's hoping and he's waiting for a good vineyard to be developed so that he can produce grapes. And if you've been around grape production, it takes a long time for that to happen. And so what Isaiah is showing is say, you need to we need to have a waiting, expectant heart. The harvest will be good, but the time period that is necessary for that to happen is long and maybe longer than what we even think. Micah, the prophet, uses the words Yakal and Kavah when he says we're waiting on the morning dew to bring the appropriate water to the land. That's the only way that the land can be refreshed is to the morning dew. To wait overnight and to know that the morning dew and refreshment is coming. And the prophet Isaiah or Hosea, in the midst of Overwhelming oppression for the nation of Israel, Hosea says he calls back to the moment where the Hebrew people are brought out of the land of Egypt. And he says, even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, God provides a door of hope for us. Because again, God has brought us out of Egypt. He's brought us out of slavery. He's heard our cries. Even when we had little to no influence of hope, God restored us and brought us out to hope. And now, as the nation of Israel is being oppressed, we can look back on that promise and know without a shadow of doubt that we can wait for him and that there's a door of hope for us to walk through. And even Jeremiah proclaims that God is the hope of Israel O hope of Israel, this Kavah, our savior in times of trouble. Biblical hope does not focus on the circumstances. So it's interesting to think about that because if biblical hope doesn't focus on the circumstances. Neither does our joy focus on the circumstances. So I think God's bringing us together in this. And he's saying, listen, the foundation of the Christian life, the foundation of what is found in me is found hope and joy. And neither one of those are are concerned with the circumstances because life is going to get tough. Life is going to be difficult, but you find your hope in me and in me alone. I am your foundation. Things may go the heck in a handbasket, but your joy is found in me. Your salvation, your joy is found in your salvation. Your hope is found in your salvation. Your hope is found in him. and He's proven time and time again that he's worthy, that he's trustworthy. His character is proven so you can place your hope in him and you will find joy in him. There's no evidence at times that things will get better. But we can still choose hope. Look at some of your Facebook feeds, your Instagram feeds, your snapper chatters and all the different things that we do. And sometimes we produce gloom. Even as Christians, we produce this mindset is not one of hope. And I think we've lost sight of the fact that our hope and joy is not in who our president is, not in our economy, not in all the different things. Is that important to life? Yes. But that's not where hope and joy is found. Hope and joy is found in the person of Christ. And understanding that God's past faithfulness to us motivates our hope for the future. God's path Past faithfulness to us produces and motivates a hope for the future. Even Jeremiah proclaims that. He says, God is the hope, the Kavah of Israel. Paul tells us that our hope, our living hope, is found in Jesus. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, this letter is from Paul. This is Paul talking. This is a letter from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of our God and our Savior, Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. Again, biblical hope is based on God's past character of what he's done and we can look forward to the future. The reason that we can believe in the resurrection is because it's happened in the past through Jesus. The reason that we can believe in the life that we have, the reason that we can believe a lot of the things that we believe, that we can have hope and joy, is because of the past that we've seen and experienced through Christ. In Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of our hope, will fill you completely. So if our source of hope is our income, it's going to do this. The source of our joy is our job. Who knows what's going to happen? The source of our joy is politics. It's going to fade. The source of our hope is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the rock. It doesn't change. So he's a source of our joy, of our hope. And we will fill completely with joy and peace because we trust in him. Just like this wonderful little beautiful chair that we found somewhere. We saw someone else sit in it. So we place our trust and our hope in the fact that this other guy who did not have Whataburger this week sits in it, that it's going to hold me up. That I have trust and hope. The same thing is for us, is that time after time after time, we're able to sit in the lap of God and know that we can sit in it and we can rest and have conversation with God because time after time after time, he's been available. And the past faithfulness allows us to know that in the future, we can continue to run to him. Because the chair of God never fails us. We can always sit and sup and dine at his table. His past shows that our future is there. A biblical hope is a choice to wait for God to bring about the future hope that he has for us. And you know, we have hopes and dreams. We have hopes and dreams for our income. We have hopes and dreams for our family. We have hopes and dreams for our kids. And sometimes those things don't pan out like we want. And a lot of times that's not really hope. It's optimism. We're wanting certain things because we want our kids to have a better life or the American dream, 2.4 kids or whatever that is. We want those things. But our true hope, the one thing that does not change is Jesus. And to find our hope and our joy and our peace in him. So my challenge for you this week. Again, researchers are telling us that our souls are weary. Our souls and our minds and our hearts are weary. Why? Because in the olden days, we would get our news from the newspaper. And we may get the newspaper once a day or in a wonderful place like this. You get it twice a week. And you look at it and you see the farmer's almanac, you see the weather's coming, and you may see a few things around town where somebody stole someone's oxen or their oxen got out or somebody's cows or something. And you would get some of the news of your neighbors and those kind of things. And every once in a while, something else. And then maybe you would hear something from Europe, you know, some of those kind of things. Something like that would happen. And our souls were concerned with this, our neighborhood here in our life. But now we're inundated with 24-7 information. And so we have literally our souls are weary with empathy and we've lost our hope. We've lost our hope that God's in control. We've lost our hope that God knows what he's doing because we've placed our hope in all these other things. And all of that has gone by the wayside over the last 18 to 24 months. Much of the things that we've placed our hope in are gone. And so people are lining up and struggling with mental health and social health and all kinds of stuff. And I believe one of the big things is because hope has been wiped out. We've placed our hope in something else, and that hope has been washed away. My prayer for us, maybe set aside social media for a few days. Maybe set aside the news. Don't turn on the news at 6 o'clock or 5.30 or whenever you watch it, or don't let it blare all the time. Maybe turn on some Christmas music. Just push Control alt delete and reset. And allow your heart, soul, and mind to just rest. And to know that God is waiting for you to just sit in the chair and just dine with Him and to conversate with Him and just slow down. Do you remember those old days when families used to gather around the dinner table and sit and talk and sup together? There's something about that. There's something about us just slowing down and enjoying one another and saying, hey, how was your day? That for us to slow down and to find hope in Christ. His past faithfulness moves us to a future hope that we can have confidence in. We can find hope and peace and joy because our circumstances will change, but he will not. Let's hope. And rest in him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your greatest gift. Your son, Jesus Christ. Father, may we place our trust and hope in him. May we find our joy, our greatest joy, and our greatest satisfaction in him. And Father, in a world right now that's in the midst of chaos. Chaos. And strife and confusion and conflict. Father, may we just press control, alt, delete. And not put our hearts and minds affections on the things of this world, but put our hearts and minds affection upon you. And I think for many of us. To just come home. To come home to you. To just remember maybe some of the old days, maybe we've ever never seen it, but just some of this idyllic moment of just coming home and just sitting and resting with you by the fireplace. And as we look into the fire to just be content with the greatest gift that you've given us in the person of Jesus Christ. And not want for more, not to long for more, or to think we need more, we've got enough in you. And to find our hope and our joy and our peace in Christ alone. Father, I pray that in this room and in this group and those watching online, that we would find rest in you this season. That you are God with us. That you stepped down out of heaven once before and walked among us. And hugged us. Healed us and wept with us and got dirty with us. And, Father, you will once again, Jesus, will walk with us and take us home. Prepare our hearts and allow us to rest in that truth. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Crosspoint Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.